Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Nathan, where's the time? Cheers, my friend. Thank you, Colin, for that. Uh, I got to say, I, I'm blessed to be able to be here today and have this opportunity. And I got to say, it's good to be in church today. If you, so I'm going to ask if you can turn your Bible to uh, Esther 2, 5 through 7. Has there ever been a time in your life where you cried out, Lord, why am I here in this situation? Why is this going on? Why at this time? Maybe at that moment came maybe an unexpected phone call, or perhaps it was a difficult doctor appointment or even a dentist. Now, I'm okay with doctor's appointment, but the dentist, you can keep that away from me. <laughs> now, all of us face trials in the middle of those difficulties, and God can seem quiet, and his presence can feel very far away. And as things began to go the opposite, uh, opposite ways, it feels like he's not even there. And many times I would even feel like that when things would go wrong, and I'd think, why is this even happening to me right now? Why me? Why now? And through that, God was able to teach me, and not only that, but teach many other people. And even in the book of Esther, um, we are able to see that. In Romans 8, it talks about how God gives us powerful promise. Even when he seems to be silent, we can rest in the truth that he is always working and leading in our lives. And to shape us and fashion us according to his purpose. So in this lesson, we meet a woman named Esther facing an unimaginable difficult time. She was torn from her home and forced to live with King Ahasuerus, a wicked, a wicked ruler of the, Me of the Medes and the Persians. And in her situation, she, had much, she would have had much uh, an easy way to question God and his presence and, and his presence for her life. But amazingly, throughout the story, the name of God is never mentioned, and yet we'll see that through this lesson, his unspeak, unmistakable fingerprints are in every, every verse, and we'll see that God in his sovereign control, and he's taking care of the situation, and he's in control, and he placed the key events, and every situation, he placed it perfectly in Esther's life, and he wants to do so in your life as well. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I thank you for this great and wonderful day. I thank you for the weather warming up. Lord, I thank you for, the, for this uh, opportunity to be able to preach the word of God, Lord. And Lord, I just ask you to help me be able to speak everything properly today, Lord, and just help me throughout the, this lesson, Lord. Lord, I ask you for this in your wonderful name. Amen. So the preparations for Esther is point number one. And we'll be reading that in, uh, in Esther 2, 5 through 7. And it would say, Now in Shushan, 
the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he had brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father, father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for, her, for his own daughter. So through all this, many of us know the, the Esther story, how the king chose Esther out of all the women to be queen, to be put in the position, and God moved the, those positions to be able to allow Esther to minister to other, others in the Persian Empire. And her preparation for this role began as she grew up under the loving care of her uncle Mordecai. And through that, throughout the book of Esther, we see that Mordecai was a very profound leader, uh, an influence on Esther's life. And he raised her to walk in the ways of the Lord and remain firm in her convictions. Who is a godly mentor or influence that we've all had in our lives? I can think of multiple ones. I can say for one, my family. I, that's a pretty good influence. I sure wouldn't be where I am today without my family. I can also think of my best friend, Colin. When I went into preaching, I, I, I told him, I said, I don't know how to preach. And I, he got back to me in about three weeks, and he sent me a list. I actually counted it recently. It's about, it about 146 paragraphs on how to preach different ideas. And all I could think was, wow, he put a lot of work into this. <laughs> and uh, he, he has always been an influence in my life and even my family, teaching me the Bible growing up, Colin always being there for me in every situation, my friends. And I'm very thankful God's given me that opportunity to be put in that area. But because of Mordecai's godly influence, Esther was prepared to stay strong in her relationship with the Lord, even with the ungodly atmosphere in the palace. We look at the next uh, person, Haggai, who was a Gentile man who was in charge of, the ga of gathering the women, often against their will, for the king's harem. Such was the case with Esther at the palace. She was placed under his custody. It says in Esther 2, 8 through 9, it says, So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the woman. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the woman. She was tempted to question why God would place her in such a situation. But God showed himself faithful unto her. And the Bible says that Haggai preferred Esther above all other women 
and placed her in the best place in the house on the seat. And as Esther learned, we can trust God's sovereignty and faithfulness when we walk through difficult times, when we walk through painful times, or hard times, times we really don't want in our lives. And as Esther learned this, many times we won't know how things are going to turn out. But even though we can't see the future, we can still trust God. Just around three months ago, as many of y'all know, God had just recently called me back to go to the wilds. Uh, Around my last year, 2019, it's where I surrendered to preach. And I didn't know why I wanted to go, but God wanted me to go for some reason. And through that, I surrendered to preach. And I told God, I said, I'm coming back. I said, I don't know when, but I'm coming back. And about three months ago, he said, Nathan, it's time. And I was like, really now? I was like, I got like a couple months to prepare. He's like, now's the time. And I was like, all right, we'll start getting prepared. And through that, I didn't know how it would turn out. I, 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 I knew that I would have some struggles. I knew that there would be a hard um, time getting prepared. I need to get all this new stuff, shoes, clothes, get that all prepared. And through that, God's provided. And I'm very grateful for that because despite being stressed, I still trusted in God. I had, I had friends ask me, how are you going to raise the money? And I said, I'm solely relying on God. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to rely on God. And that was Esther in this situation. She relied on God, and she had a great influence in her life. And uh, I'm really looking also afford to be going to the wilds in uh, 13 days and 9 hours. So I'm really looking forward to going back, and I'm really going to miss all of y'all. But in this, the king noticed Esther, and the Bible says he loved her above all the other women. This, is, of course, was not a Christ-like love, but it was a lustful love from a heathen man. Esther was a beautiful woman, and she obtained grace and favor in his eyes. But through God's sovereign will, she rose to the throne as queen of the Medes and the Persians. The next part would be the indignation, number two, indignation of Haman. Four years later, King Ahasuerus issued a decree that all should bow and reverence his right-hand man, Haman. Mordecai, however, refused to bow. It says in Esther 3, 1 through 2, if you can turn there real quick. It's about one page over. It says, After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded, concerned him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. It is important to recognize the heart behind Mordecai's refusal. It did not stem from a personal grudge against Haman's promotion. As with Mordecai, we are never to be jealous of or angry at another person's promotion. God is the one who promotes some and takes some down. And one thing I really thought about this was we can get 
angry when something doesn't go our way, but it goes the way for someone else. First thing I thought of was bitterness. And sometimes bitterness can come with disappointment. Disappointment causes bitterness. may not go our way, but it's God's way. And maybe it's for a reason to teach us something. But it says in Psalm 75, 6-7, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge who putteth down one and setteth up another. Mordecai refused to worship Haman because as a devout Jew, his reverence was to be reserved for God and God alone. While we may never be asked to physically bow down and worship someone, our heart should be to only worship the Lord. Likewise, we should, we should not worship or never worship anyone or anything. God, God should always be foremost for our lives. He should always be the top one. He should always be the highest person in our life. Now, Haman was furious at Mordecai's, uh, Mordecai's refusal. And he was able to convince the king to eradicate all the Jews. And he says how dangerous they were, how they're going to be able to do all this wicked stuff in the world. And at Haman's suggestion, the king made a new law that all Jews be killed on the 13th day of the 12th month. The dominant characteristic of Haman was one that would also be proven to be his downfall. Why? Well, I can think of his pride in all this. Because the Bible also says many things about pride. Proverbs 13.10 Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 6.16-19 These six six things doth the Lord hate, yes, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord. Haman thought so highly of himself and demanded the respect that only should really be given to God. He wanted that kind of respect, like, bow down, worship me. And I can think of multiple different things, like the, uh, the fiery furnace. I can think of King Nebuchadnezzar with the, uh, the golden statue, just like last week. Uh, with that story with Daniel. Um, and next we can, um, now he thought very highly of himself, but Morde- when Mordecai refused, Hanan became consumed with bloodthirsty quests. And as we know, that would be his downfall. Now the picture of Haman, in many ways, he was an enemy to the Jews and is a picture in this situation as the Antichrist, who will be the enemy of God's people during the final days. Just as Haman was given great power by the king, one day the Antichrist will receive power from Satan. Like Haman, he will hate the Jews and seek to destroy them. As we look at the events in our world today, we can see that the stage is being set soon to the return of the Lord, and that is the coming of the Antichrist. Now I can think of different situations with that. For one, Afghanistan, anyone who had a Bible app on their phone were instantly killed for their faith. We can think of 
the war going on right now, Russia and Ukraine, and how many people are being killed there right now. And I remember talking to one Ukraine, and with, with that horrible thing happening in the world, I had talked to one missionary from Ukraine, and he said it's a horrible thing to be seeing so much slaughter happened, so much death. He's like, but at the same time, God's opening their hearts up. He's like, I'm having more people come to the church more than ever. And he's like, it's opening the hearts of the people. And through that, God can sometimes use these horrible things to also help others on a better path. But all these different things, people are being slaughtered for their faith. If you say, I'm a child of the king, I trust you, I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior, I could be killed for that. And in this situation, it was the same thing for Esther. It was the same thing for Mordecai. Just like in their time, it's the same in our time. Now Haman was filled with all this wrath, this, uh, this wrath because of his refusal that he wanted to wipe out all the Jews. And it even says that in Esther 3.8. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people. And in all provinces of thy kingdom and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep the king's laws, therefore. It is not for king's profit to suffer them. Now through all this, the Jews were pretty much, they, they, they looked hopeless. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, the king's decree could not be revoked no matter what the king said. The plot was already set in motion, so they had no hope. They had to get out of there. They had to save their own lives to a point that they were mourning because their names were already in the book for the king. So the king already had all their names saying, all right, look for these people. Here's the name, this name, this name, this name. Their names are already written down. So they're already being hunted down. But all is never hopeless when God is working. And sometimes it may not seem like he's working, but he is. Why? Because he's always been there. And we have everything we need to know right here. We have everything we need to know right here in this book. Now at this moment, Esther could have chosen to distance herself from the people to try to save her own life. But in her response, she would have, um, we see the response we, we should have in our trials. Rather than becoming self-focused and self-absorbed, she chose to trust in God and have the perfect purpose and will that gave us grace and seized the moment to use that difficulty as a springboard for making himself known to others. Now through that, Mordecai, he took action and donned his sack, sackcloth and ashes and mourned in the center of the city. Now this is an incredible testimony. Instead of disassociating himself from the Jews, he publicly identified with his people. He showed that he was a Jew and his heart was grieved over the condition of the Jews. This, um, as Edmund Burke, the famous British politician, once said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. 
So I need to ask, are we standing for our faith? Once again, I think of multiple situations, slaughter happening in other countries for our faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We look right now like abortions, drugs, crimes. Are we standing up for that? We have an obligation to stand up for what is right. Yet when we stand by and silently let evil run its course, we are giving it our approval. Do we stand for what we believe or do we just watch it happen? It says in Philippians 2.14-16, through 16, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain." God is asking for all men and women to stand fast for the truth of the gospel. Even when it's a difficult time, even when stuff seems like it's falling apart, to stand for the word of God, to stand for God. And when Esther was in her seat, she was able to witness to all the uh, people in the uh, the palace from getting in the seat. Now Esther had a choice during this time. And it's likely at many times she wondered, why did God allow me to be pulled from, away from my home and be with such a wicked king? Now through that, God was preparing her for something special. And because of that, Esther even listened and yielded to his plan. Are you yielded for God's plan in your life? When we walk through trials, it is normal to have questions but it is important to remember that we don't have the full picture like God has. So let's always try to keep that in our mind. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And then Esther's involvement, when she chose to finally get involved. Mordecai challenged Esther that she needed to go before the king and ask for the lives of her people. But she knew that she could not do it without the Lord's power. She knew if she stood before the, before the king that she has a chance of being killed. Going up there and saying, like, listen, we gotta we got get these people, like, they're not doing anything wrong. She could be killed for her faith. And through that, she fasted. And it said, and, uh, it said that in Mark 9, 20, or it says about prayer and fasting in Mark 9, 20 through 29. And when he uh, come into, his, into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. And Esther fasted and prayed for three nights and three days. Esther understood that faith is not first concerned with self-preservation, but total surrender to the will of God. She was willing to say that if following God's will caused her to perish, so be it. Now, surrender is one of the hardest things because really, like, oftentimes, 
you'll hear like the, the, the good old term, it's my way or the highway. But what is it to, truly to surrender to God? As it's really one of the hardest things we can do. It often means going down a bad situation, a difficult situation, to learn how to handle things better, to let God lead you, to let God get you through it and help you understand the situation better and handle it better. Because in the long run, it's going to be a lot better. It says in Psalm 55, 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Yes, God asks us to surrender. He also promises to uphold and help us as we trust him. When the bad times come, don't just fall apart. Go right back to him and say, I'm looking forward to how you're going to handle this. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that would be the, the, uh, the, I know that would probably be the best mindset. I remember one time I had a car situation. And now many times I, uh, when I wasn't trusting God much, I was like, oh, come on, really again? And slowly while trusting God, I finally said, I'm looking forward to how you're going to handle this. I don't know how you're going to handle it, but I'm looking forward to it. And then I get like a $50 payment, that's it. And then I'm like, all right, thank, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you. Now that's, she knew, Esther knew, that standing before him could mean her death. So I want to ask her, are you willing to obey when God asks you to do something? When he calls you to do something, are you willing to surrender? With God using her to bring national deliverance, later in the book, Esther was able to win the king's favor. And that consequently, she exposed Haman's plot and Haman was hanged. Now, that hanging was originally for Mordecai. Haman wanted to get rid of Mordecai. And instead, with his downfall, he was hanged instead. But because of Esther was willing to allow the Lord to use her, the nation of Israel was spared. Are you willing to allow God to use you? Are you willing to allow him for your purposes, for your life? Even when you don't understand what he could possibly be doing, God can do more through your life than you can even imagine. And that's happened so many times in my life. Even in this book, you see so many miracles that can happen. Blind men being healed. Lepers being healed. The nation of Israel being saved. All these wonderful things that God has done right here and it's all around us this church is even a blessing because people followed Christ and Christ and Christ blessed that so I want to encourage you today to surrender not knowing what's going to happen but if God's calling you to a situation, surrender. It might not seem fun. It might not seem like a good time. But God will bless that. And he'll help you through that. And he'll carry you through that. Not only th for that, but to also stand fast for what you believe.
Stand fast for what's in the Bible. And know what the Bible says to be able to stand for that. And even when the hard times come, are you willing to stand for your faith? So I want to just encourage you today. Know that God's in control in every situation. He'll carry you through. It even says in the Bible, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Do you trust in God? I just want to encourage you today, despite Esther's victory, it can also be ours. And God can put us in those places just as he did with, God's, uh, with his people. So I just want to encourage you, trust in God, and he will carry you through. I'll pray and then you can be, be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this great lesson that you've given to us, Lord. I thank you for the book of Esther, and I thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray that everyone's able to come out here learning something today, to uh, stand for their faith, Lord, and to be able to say what's in the word of God, and be able to hold fast to it, Lord, and be able to stay faithful and surrender to all the situations that you have for them, Lord, and to trust in them no matter what happens, and the good and the bad times, Lord, that they learn to lean on you. So, Lord, I ask you for this. I ask that everyone gets home safely and helps them and help them throughout the rest of this night. And we ask you for this in your wonderful and loving name. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.